You're listening to The Expansion Chronicles, a podcast about expansion of startups into the U.S. On this podcast, we talk about the main mistakes that founders make while trying to move from their home turf and build divisions of their companies in the U.S. We try to explain how to avoid these pitfalls and what tools can be helpful in this complicated process. So if you are a founder located outside of America and think of growing your company in the States, this podcast is definitely for you. So let's jump into the episode. And today's guest speaker, we have Enzo Cavalli, CEO and founder of Startup Able. And in this episode, we'll talk about Latin America or expansion from Latin America to the United States, which companies should actually not expand to the US, what are the major perks, what are the major downsides of moving to the US, and who should try to stick with their home turf. So Enzo, let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Startup Able. Great. So... Thanks, Constantine, for having me. Um, I'm Enzo. I founded Startupiable almost two years ago. Startupiable started as a blog. Uh, today, I call it a an end-to-end platform to for of educational resources about the startup ecosystem in Latin America. So basically, it's uh, has multiple tools, anywhere from a glossary to a blog, a directory like Crunchbase, a a podcast. Recently, we launched a few months ago, and even nice. a a matchmaking tool with angel investors and seed investors in Latin America. Um, so it's basically like an, a, a platform that aims to expand the amount of entrepreneurs in Latin America through tools, uh, Spanish-first content, and mm-hmm. as I said, content anywhere from super basic and just definitions about the vocabulary of the startup ecosystem, even to up to more sophisticated strategies on fintechs as whatever you're building. Nice. That is very interesting. For our listeners in Latin America who might be interested in your podcast, what's the name of your podcast, by the way? It's Startapiable Podcast. Awesome. Perfect. So Latin America users, check it out. I'll also leave it in the description of this episode. So everyone who is located there, definitely take a look at it. Um, So let's start with the discussion of uh, moving to the United States. You work with tons and tons of startup founders in Latin America. I would imagine a lot of them are actually early stage startups because as you mentioned, you know, some of the content that you produce is focused on those founders, you know, who don't really have much experience in the field. How many of them are, their sole goal is to, you know, expand to the United States is to just start something, create a basic product within the Latin American countries, and then immediately move to the United States to find customers? Um, okay, that's, that's a good question. I think most founders in Latin America are actually building something for Latin America. Okay. Um, so the US is much more, I think, a, a good a place or holding place to put your company in case you are selling all over Latin America in which case creating subsidiaries in each country might become a, a mess, especially if you're starting out and, you know, resources are not, uh, are not. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of resources, both in, them, in terms of time and effort and also mm-hmm. money. So you have to, to be wise on how you spend that money. And sometimes creating a subsidiary in each country can be tricky and require a lot of, a lot of uh, investment, et cetera. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's the main reason. There's, Definitely a percentage of companies that are actively selling into the U.S. and they will definitely be interested in opening in the U.S. to sell to, I mean, to to target to U.S. companies uh, mm-hmm. or clients, either B2C or B2B. I'd say that's probably less than 5% of startups in Latin America. Um, and because it's, I mean, it's definitely also harder to compete in the U.S. So most of companies doing that, yeah. I'd say they are doing things like um, either softwares, like software as a service, or there's also a lot of, I think, in which case you see more, it's more than, than rather than, than 
traditional tech startup is more agencies or like de development shops or marketing agencies or freelance in general doing either recruiting, digital marketing, development work uh, for companies in the US. Probably that's that's the most use case uh, in which you actually open a, an, oper an operating company in the US. Mm -hmm. Understood. All right. That's actually very interesting. I had no idea the number would be as low as 5%. My number in my head was like 50%, something similar to those that numbers that I've heard in Russia. Uh, but let's let's talk about those who do decide to expand to the United States, that 5%. Have you seen any cases of those, you know, within those 5% of startups who actively try to sell to the US customers? Have you seen any great successes? And what were those successes primarily due to? Um, I mean, in terms of successes, I think there's many uh, famous, uh, it's funny because I think most of the companies that have done that actually with huge success are either Argentinian or Mexican. Uh, I think Argentinians are, uh, there's a lot of talent in Argentina in terms of uh, developers. And so there, mm -hmm. there are a lot of a lot of good software companies have spun out of, of Argentina, uh, comes to mind super fast, OutZero, uh, Satellogic. Um, and then uh, uh, Mural, which is you've probably heard, or or you've used Miro, which is a, comp a competitor. Um, so there's a lot of good softwares coming out of Argentina, and I think mm -hmm. Argentina has a huge, uh, has a big history, probably in the past two or even three decades, of working a lot with international clients. And so Argentina, you know, have have been good at uh, sales. I mean, besides having good product, good design, they've been good at international sales, which is a skill set that I think still lacks in other, in other countries like Peru, Colombia, Chile, where even Brazil, where even if there's good products, it's been harder for them to, to be able to, to sell to US customers. Mm -hmm. So it's not only about having a good product, but actually knowing the go-to-market and sales process, and obviously culture and how to sell to SMEs in the US or big corporates, right. I mean, depending on what kind of client you are. So I think that's an expertise that's super strong in Argentina. It's not that strong in the rest of the region. And then in, in Mexico, I've seen most of like service providers in terms of like consultants, uh, recruiters. Uh, so, and then there's not a, uh, there's, a, there's a company, called, I forgot the name, but there's a big like uh, tech consultant company from the North Mexico. Um, they've been good at selling to, to US companies, um, but it's mostly, I'd say like service providers, once again, recruiters, <laughs> right. dev shops, et cetera. There's not like a startup, but I'd say like they're, they've been super good at selling to the US. Right. The number of 5% of companies that want to actively start a sell to us, it just keeps bothering me in my head. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about that just a little bit more. There's also like, I think lately, uh, not a lot, but there are a few uh, like e-commerce brands or consumer mm. brands oh, from yeah. Mexico selling to the US. 100%. Uh, and there, there's a lot of, there's a big, I mean, not big, I'd say like in comparison to other trends probably, but there's an increasing demand for Mexican products either anything from alcohol and mezcal and tequila to like food etc and, and right. even yeah. i've seen even like a company called there's a company called luna which is like casper they basically sell a direct to consumer sleep products and they've mm -hmm. been able to get it to the us and leverage amazon to sell um obviously they leverage the relationship with amazon mexico to get into amazon us so once again i think it's not it's not only about having a good great product but also knowing the go-to-market it's definitely a competitive market, right? So, hundred percent. We'll definitely okay. touch on to the go-to-market and specifically what you need to prepare in order to, you know, execute the go-to-market strategy in the United States. Um, but first, let's let me ask one more question about this five percent. Uh, so, I, I've hosted quite a few webinars on this subject, and whenever I ask my listeners, like 
how much do you think it costs to move to the United States or like to create a legal entity and all those, you know, especially legal forms, because at the end I work at first base. Um, major answer is about anywhere between two to $5,000. And that is completely wrong. Is there a same sentiment in Latin America of thinking that, you know, oh, it's going to cost me thousands and thousands, if not millions of dollars to move to the United States. And that's why they don't expense. Or is there another reason for them to not be interested in moving to the United States? Um, still talking about the 5%, you mean? Yeah. Uh, think- talking about talking about 95% actually, who don't okay. want to move to the US. I think for the for the for that five percent, uh, it actually doesn't matter the price of opening mm-hmm. the U.S. because they are thinking about making U.S. business, right? If you're yeah, making U.S. Yeah, business, yeah. the upside is much more bigger. You're not going to the U.S. to sell a few hundred dollars, so thousands or even I mean uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars at least. If otherwise you wouldn't make that offer. In which case, those two to five thousand dollars, it's right. not that much money, right? It's like it's part of the investment, right? So people are aware of that. Uh, even though, if, even if they don't know about first base and other options to, to open a, a U.S. company, right? Um, the ordinary five percent—it's definitely a thing. Um, I think there's there's two or even three factors. Uh, one is definitely the first one is probably knowledge, uh, but it's changing as as the startup ecosystem grows, and also making business in the countries in Latin America is harder because of regulation, right. political stuff. Uh, volatility in, in local currencies like a sol or even argentina Venezuela, which is even worse or in mexico which is not a great also super strong <laughs> currency working in dollars is actually great mm-hmm. uh, tool right or great even like just a way to protect yourself yeah and once again it's like you can have an e-commerce or a SaaS product and be in mexico but you want to sell in colombia peru brazil whatever going and open subsidiaries in each country is hard if you open a u.s company you can plug in stripe or whatever Mm-hmm. Or whatever payment processor you want to use that covers all that all the region. So there's definitely a factor in that. Um, I think it's as I was saying, rather than the, the, the than the price, it's just knowledge. It's just founders thinking more broadly, which is changing given that the startup system is growing. Um, that's one. But and the second one is also motivated by this. I think as as our countries are <laughs> so unstable, people how, think about how to protect their businesses, and definitely the US is. It's a great way to do that. I've met not not only like tech, tech startups founders, but also entrepreneurs from other sectors thinking about opening their companies in the US just because they want to protect their, mm-hmm. their right. company, right? From not depending from a from a, a country in a legal perspective. I wanted to hear more about 95% of companies that decide to stay on their home turf somewhere within Latin America. What is their motivator of not going to the United States? Is it the prices associated with moving to this? Is it just, you know, they just don't see the clients in the US or is there something else there? I think there's there's definitely a lack of knowledge besides the price. Um, I just think people think it's more complicated than it, it actually is. Yes. Um, once again, it's it's changing because the startup system is growing and people more mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and doing that. And I think it's even permeating into the more traditional sector of the economy, like just traditional agencies or service providers or even e-commerce stores, etc. Um, so I think that's changing. And also, I think probably COVID is going to be a huge is going to be a huge thing for that. You can probably confirm that or not. Uh, but yeah. for example, just as more people go into e-commerce more people need to charge for a credit card. Mm-hmm. Need a payment processor, like an, uh, uh, an online payment gateway. You need Stripe or whatever. We probably Stripe is the, the, the cheapest one. So yeah. you need to open an account, an account in the US. I mean, it, it, Stripe is in Mexico, but Stripe is not in Colombia, in Peru, in Chile, Argentina. Um, so you might as well. So a lot of, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest factor that I've seen people 
like getting interested in opening a US account is being able to, to use Stripe and other payment processors. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's a big a big shift. Um, and that's why basically what makes them interested in opening a US account. And that's when they get, okay, what are the, the way, what are, what are the, the ways they can do it? The main, obviously the more traditional is using lawyers, whatever choice expensive. And then they're super surprised when they find out you can actually open a, a company for just a hundred bucks. That is true. That is true. And that is why first base is here. <laughs> we do that exact thing. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the logistics, especially uh, going back to the things that you said uh, earlier about uh, executing this go-to-market strategy. What do you think are the major mistakes of founders moving to the United States or trying to expand in the United States? What is the major mistakes that they make while trying to get to the market in the U.S.? Um, that's a pretty good question, for which I'm not sure if I have a great answer. <laughs> um, I think the main one is just uh, so. Let, let me get, let me let me get back a bit. So if if you're in, for example, in Peru or Colombia, uh, and you want to go to Mexico, mm-hmm. you can try like you can, uh, say like do minimal investment to try the market, right? So you can go and just go into Facebook ads. And pay ads in Mexico and say, okay, there's interest, there's no interest in my product. Should I open a subsidiary? Should I move a team there or not? Based on that. I think for the US, that's not that easy. Because first of all, paid marketing is much more expensive. Yeah. And it's yes. a market which is totally different to the to Latin America. Like that, that needs it's a market where I don't know if you're gonna set if you're gonna sell food as something as basic as food, consumer trends in the US are way di- different than here. Mm-hmm. Very much from things as as simple as much more vegan people, much more people that worry about sugar, etc. So yeah. it's just a different market, right? It's a market with different needs. So mm-hmm. you know, people, I think, and that's that's a big uh, mistake thinking about it that it's just from going as, as simple as going from Peru to, I mean, it's not simple going from Peru to, to Colombia, for example, or Peru to Mexico, but it's even harder to go from Peru to the US, right? <laughs> just because markets are much more different, culture is different, language is different. Um, so that's that's one I think one one issue, uh, and for that reason I think it's a biggest risk. It's it's just, and, that, and that's and that's why I think mo- for entrepreneurs to be actually be able to I think compete in the US uh, like head to head before companies there usually those entrepreneurs have some kind of international experience because it's hard to if you're if you've all only lived and worked in your in your country Latin America it's harder for you to have an understanding of the US market right. Um, so, or or you could have actually probably previous work in a corporation. We have offices in the U.S. and you made some kind of international business with them. Without that experience, I think it's harder. In which case, you should probably think about trying to get some advisor from the U.S. or hire someone there, just someone to help to help you with the go-to-market, right? Assuming once again you have a great product. If you don't have a bad product, that no, nothing of that is going to work, right? Hundred percent. Yes, that is very much true. And some personal experience here. Uh, a lot of founders just get confused about the process. Like it seems like there are so many things for them to do while moving to the U.S. They have to hire people. They have to figure out how Americans work. They have to figure out the legalities behind it, and it all just piles up and messes them things quite a bit for them. So <laughs> that's yeah, we're definitely true. on the same page here. Um, so let's talk about how to not mess things up. Do you have any advice, especially from the structural point of view uh, in how to prepare to uh, move a company from outside of the US, not necessarily from Latin America, 
but from anywhere outside of the U.S. to the United States. What would be your suggestion to founders who want to do this? You mean moving the company or opening a competitor? Opening a subsidiary. Let's do that. Okay, but an operating subsidiary, you mean? Mm -hmm. um, I think, I mean, besides just using a product like FirstBase and opening that, I do think sometimes it's good to have some kind of legal advice uh, because depending on the sector we are going, there might be regulation that you might mm -hmm. that you might oversee. The problem is that most of these things, at least in Latin America, like overseeing some regulation and accidentally not not complying <laughs> with them. In Latin America, you you can either get out with it or get a small fine. In the US, that usually doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, it happens yeah. the other way around. And that can literally kill your business, right? So, yeah. or or just discourage you a lot. Okay, this is too complicated. I don't want to do them. And I think it's like the good thing is like the US is a like super big market. Like there's a lot of opportunity, but you mm -hmm. still have to be like, you have to be like up to that level in terms of like like being being sure you're like you know what you're getting into, right? It's it's like going to play to another league and a much higher level. Mm -hmm. So it's just preparation in that sense, and it's either legal. I think you should people just try to get better advice from from. I mean, any people that have done it before, there's definitely, even though it's like, even you're in Peru or a small country, there's definitely someone else who has done it and, mm -hmm. and just yeah. reach out to them and, I mean, understand the pain, the, the biggest mistakes they've done. And there's probably a lot of big scars, which you can just be aware of. Um, and the problem is that usually entrepreneurs, which is okay, they, they are scrappy, they try to save money. When going to the big leagues, sometimes those trying to save that, that uh, those small hundreds of bucks can end up costing you more, right? That is very true. Yeah, there is a very fine line to walk there between wasting too much money on things that don't really matter and just not spending enough money on things that can hurt you in the long run. So yeah, uh, do 100% on the same page here with you once again. And actually, let's touch on to those scars. <laughs> so I would imagine that in your career, you've seen quite a few founders trying to move to the United States and just either massively failing or doing one small thing that just destroys the entire company. Do you have any of those cases just so, you know, there is a visualization of those mistakes? Mm, that's a good question. I've seen, I mean, more, more from, a, not from a commercial perspective, I'd say. I mean, I've seen from a commercial perspective, just doing like bad calculations in, in I don't know, in, for physical products, like international like export, exports, mm -hmm. bad calculations. And literally like a friend that would do like, he was exporting some kind of fruits from Mexico, no, Peru to, to the US. Uh -huh. They ended up, it was like a 50 or 100K ship or shipment. Ended oh. up getting rot. Just, he just lost all the money. <laughs> so that, that, yeah. that was like a huge mistake uh, just because of, I mean, retailers are hard also in the US and it's like bad calculation on time. And obviously if the product stays in water and it doesn't get picked up, it's obviously like a fresh product, so it gets messed up. Um, and the other thing is, especially when handling investors, we're doing the flip side. If, if you have a subsidiary company and then open one in the US and you want to change everyone to your company, that, that usually becomes, especially if you have a lot of small investors in your local company, mm -hmm. that ends up becoming a mess, both legally and, and in terms of taxation, uh, and that complicates True. things and you like can take months to solve or even become unsolvable if investors are complicated or you did huge mistakes in terms of uh, of your accounting at the beginning it can become like prohibitively to to open a, i mean not to open but to transform the company to a us one um and that's actually why a lot of at least latin america most 
entrepreneurs try to literally open the US company be, even before the, their own subsidiary at the local level, just to avoid all the stuff. As, assuming you're, they, they're thinking about raising money and bringing investors mm -hmm. to grow your fast. Okay, like, okay, since I have that idea in mind, I'm just gonna start with that. And if I don't do it, okay, but at least I'm prepared just like preemptively, right? Yeah, yeah, 100% prepare for the good outcome, but you know, mentally also <laughs> make sure that you don't mess up uh, things in the long run. Yeah, great. That is great advice and some mistakes. <laughs> I love discussing this. Um, we cannot end an episode on such a sad topic. So let's talk about some great successes that you've seen. Have you seen any companies that moved to US expecting like, you know, well, we're just going to sell to a few US customers, nothing too much we're just going to make a little bit of profit here and they just skyrocket because Americans love their product or it just, you know, something went just extremely well for them. Yeah. I think, I think companies do that. Not, not, not a specific, I'm not going to give a specific name, but a lot of co uh, marketplaces or sort of agent, green agencies connecting tech talent from Latin mm -hmm. America to the U S that's become a huge trend, especially since COVID. Because oh yeah. US companies can save a lot of money by hiring engineers in Latin America. And there's many companies doing that. Uh, and they think like, and it's it has gotten to a point in which the US companies are looking for them actually, not the other way around, in which they say literally a market is look pulling for you. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's easier. Like so big companies like even Lyft and other software companies from the US are like literally are actually or even Pinterest hiring are looking for Mexican Colombian engineers and yeah. com companies doing this kind of marketplace model where they they search great engineering talent and connect with you with your startups or companies that are growing super fast and getting a lot of a lot of even inbound interest from the us 100 that is very true once again uh, now that is a positive note that we can wrap up the episode on um let's move on to the very last question enzo and that is a call to action what is the one thing that you want to listen to do as soon as the episode is over so once the episode stops what do you want them to do right away Go to startupelli.com <laughs> and look for our article on C Corps, which is a good one actually and relates to, to what First Base does. Uh, especially if you're a Latin American one, I think that's going to be a great guide for you on how to open a US company. Perfect. That does sound great. I'll make it even easier. I'll just leave a link directly to that article in the description of this episode. So if people you're listening to this, definitely go there, check it out. And if you do decide to open a company in the US, Enzo right here is the partner of FirstBase, which means that you get a discount if you use the coupon code that I will also leave in the description of this episode. So do that. Check out all the links that we're going to leave there and have a great day.